So we've been in a, in a series called Tis the Season, we talk about the condition of our hearts as we go through Christmas, and uh, we, we had started out talking about our hearts being the condition of repentance, and that is the place that our hearts should be, and then we talked about the fact that our, place, our hearts should be in a place of humility uh, as we go through Christmas season, and today this may seem unusual, but God kind of put this on my heart, and I thought it was strange, but as God kind of shaped the message and kind of started to develop things for the sermon, it really kind of started to make sense to me. Um, that in our lives and in our hearts in the Christmas season, that that we should be in a place of receiving. Um, Now, everybody thinks that probably in Christmas, and if you're a Christian, you should be in the mindset, in a heart condition of giving, right? Because God gave his son to us, we should also be in the spirit of giving, right? It's better to give than to receive, right? That's that's what we've been taught. That's what we know. Um, But I, I started to think about for just a moment about some of the gifts that I have received over the years, right? So I, I started to think about that. Has anybody ever gotten a weird gift? Has everybody, anybody ever got, we've got hands going up. That's weird. I didn't expect that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I have never really, I've gotten some weird gifts. I don't know if I've really gotten a bad gift. I wanted to, to come to you and bring like, I've gotten good gifts and I've gotten bad gifts. I couldn't really think of bad gifts or at least I couldn't share those bad gifts with my family in the room. So I, I uh, I, I thought about some good gifts that I've gotten uh, in the past. I remember specifically when I was a kid, for whatever reason, um, I remember uh, some of the things I remember distinctly getting a BMX bicycle. And I remember that sucker, it was, it was shiny and it was all chrome and it had like blue chrome handlebars and it was amazing. Like I went back and looked at pictures of it later on in life. I was like, that is a good gift, man. I love that thing. It looked amazing. And I remember distinctly getting that thing and I rode it till the wheels fell off of it, literally. I mean, I, I kept that thing forever and it was a great gift. And I remember distinctly one year, did anybody ever have like a rich relative? I don't, no, sorry. A relative that had more resources than everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? Like anybody have one of those relatives? I had a relative like that. It happened to be my aunt. And uh, so so she would, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of the stuff growing up and whatever, so, um, but, but my aunt, she would like try to get me one good gift every year, and that was really cool. So she, she one year got me like a, a Michael Jackson jacket. Like this is early 80s. Wow. I, did, I had no idea. <laughs> like y'all were all asleep, and I said Michael Jackson, everybody's like, oh yeah, thriller, I got you. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that I, I had no idea that would evoke that kind of response. But anyway, so so it was because Michael Jackson jackets were hard to come by back in the day. It wasn't red and black. Mine was actually white and black. But that's okay. It was still all leather and it had a lot of zippers on it. I can remember like I go whoop whoop. You know what I mean? Like the little zippers whoop whoop. You know, I had a couple of them just running down the sides. I loved that jacket. It listen. I don't care. I was like. I was like six years old. If I had that jacket, I would still wear it today. I don't care. I would rip the seams out of that thing. I was, it was so cool. And I, remember, I wore that thing everywhere. And that was back in the day when breakdancing was a really big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Then I had my parachute pants on. Yeah. yeah. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what that is. But anyway, um, so anyway, I, I, I love my mic. That was one of the best gifts, obviously. And then for you Star Wars fans out there, the uber nerdy people like me, um, I got an Ewok Village one year for Christmas. That, that's highly coveted. Okay, so, all right, there's one person that really identified with that. I got an amen from the back going, Ewok Village, amen, I hear you. 
Now, <laughs> if, you, if I had an Ewok village right now, it'd be worth a lot of money, okay? Everybody's like, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh, whatever, nerd. But anyway, so, uh, but the Ewok village was really cool. It had, it had like, like it, so it's a lot of these trees, you know, and it's got the little things that connect the trees where the Ewoks used to walk across, and, and it actually had like, like big logs that, that, that you could like release, and it would knock down the little guy. And you're not following me at all, are you? Okay, that's all right. But it had a, it had a little net that you could drop down on people to catch, capture people. Man, it was so awesome. I love my Ewok village, and don't make fun of it, or don't come up to me and make fun of it after the service. So, But anyway, so those are just a few of the good gifts I've gotten. I can remember um, uh, I, I, I didn't appreciate this gift until I got older, but my grandparents used to get me steaks for Christmas. You know what I'm talking about from Omaha? You ever gotten those? Everybody's like, yeah, I don't think they're in business anymore. But yeah, so like I, I you know, when I was like, I started to transition into adulthood and I was like 18, 19, 20 years old, I started to get steaks for Christmas. I was like, what is that about, you know? But now I realize, you know, because that was in the days where I would just burn them and they're like, this tastes like any other steak I would have anyway. So, you know, these taste like Walmart steaks, but as I got older, I was like, man, I wish I had some of those Omaha steaks now, man. Those are amazing. Those are really good. You know, I'm talk- some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but protein, that's a really good gift now, you know. I would really enjoy having those now. But uh, I didn't really understand that until I got to be older. I was like, man, that, that was really strange. Um, but I- I've had some good gifts, and then I've had some, some not, not as nice of gifts, and I won't really go into those so much. Um, uh, I'll ask my teens this question. Like, so, so what, what's your favorite gift? You have one favorite gift. What's your favorite gift you like to get? It's, yeah, I, you're going to say, come on, say it, Mackenzie, you probably know. Money, is it money, right? Everybody likes to get money, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can, I remember distinctly, my parents would be like, what do you want? As you got 15, 16, 17 years old, what do you want? You want money, and that's what you wanted to be able to take and buy your own gifts and spend your money on whatever it is that you wanted. You didn't want to have to have somebody to buy it for you. That was the best gift of all. And I remember that distinctly too as I was growing up. As I was thinking about the fact that Christmas time, we have to be in a mode of receiving. This actually occurred to me when I was thinking about 1 John beginning in verse 9. It says that, that Jesus... He came into the world. The, the, the true light that gives light to everything was coming into the world. He came into the world, and everything in the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. It says, he came into his own, yet his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not born of man or of the will of the flesh, but born of God. And the things, the two words that stuck out right in the middle of that passage for me was, was receive. He came into the world, but the world did not receive him. But to those who did receive him. So when I hear that, I, I couldn't help but to think about receiving. You see, I, I'm a very good gift giver, but I'm not a very good gift receiver. Is anybody else like that? Like, like you're very good at giving gifts. You're not so good at receiving gifts. And I had printed out something, but I did not bring it up here with me. Um, it was actually something, oh, I think I did. It was actually written by somebody, uh, it was a Time Magazine article. It was written by a rabbi out of Los Angeles. And he was talking about, is it better to receive than to give? 
Because we have in our mindsets that it's better to give than to receive. But he actually took a little spin on this and said, okay, well, pause for a second and think about the difference between giving and receiving. Because I had to check myself a little bit here because I had to start thinking about, am I a better giver than a receiver? And I'm not a very good receiver. Like my mom gives me cards, um, you know, for my birthday or what have you, or something like that. And, and <laughs> she, she wants me to open it right there. I never know, am I supposed to open it right there or not? Somebody gives you a card. Does anybody happen to know the rules on that? I don't know where that rule is written down. Do I open it right there in front of the person? Do I wait till later? Do I say, thank you, hug their neck? I appreciate the gift. I don't know. But my mom happens to believe that if I know this with my mom, that's a written rule. If she gives you a card, just in case you're wondering, you open it right there and right then. No hesitation. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> there's some people in the room that happen to agree with that philosophy. Okay, don't, don't carry it home. Don't open it later. You open it right there. You read it. You cry right there, right? That's the way it's supposed to go down. Okay, all right, so now I'm starting to learn. All right, so um, anyway, so... I'm not a very good gift receiver, but I like to give gifts because that's a lot easier. So I started to think about this. And I was like, eh, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? And it kind of started to reveal some stuff about me. I didn't really like what it revealed about me when I started to read this article. Let me tell you some of the things that this article said, written by this rabbi from Los Angeles. It says, the giver is the controller. Now, this isn't always the case, okay? It's not always bad to be the giver. I'm just saying, like, you should, like, pause for a minute to think about this. It says, the giver is the controller. The one who gives has a handle on the situation. The one who says, this is what I give, and this is how I give it. You ever think about that? Like, this is what's, this is what, what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go down. More than that, the giver is the one to whom the receiver feels indebted. I don't like the way this sounds very, very much. The, the giver can feel good about himself, not only because he's in a position to give, but also that he has the moral high ground. I was like, wow, man, you are killing me right here. Like, I didn't think about all this and the fact that we got to have some humility when it comes to giving and receiving. Listen to what he goes on to say. All too often, the giver, it is the giver who determines the needs of the receiver as well. Oh, no, I never thought about that, too. Not only are you the one that's saying, like, I'm going to give you a gift, but I'm determining what it is that you need before I give you the gift. There are times when a gift can be an act of aggression. <laughs> Here's a gift for which you must be grateful. If someone gives you a gift and you don't want it or like it, you seem ungracious. Yet, as a receiver, you did not ask for the situation and now expecting to pretend it was, a wonder it was wonderful, even when you feel like it is not. Uh, I... I like, listen to this guy. I was like, man, this guy's a real downer on Christmas, you know? I don't think that was his intent, but I think he's trying to draw some things out here and right, examine our motives and start looking at things from a different perspective. But look, look at what he says about receiving. I, I just like this. I wanted to share this with you because I thought it was good. But how beautiful it can be to humbly receive. Now, I like the fact that he says humbly receive. We talked about humility last week. How beautiful it can be to humbly receive. The receiver is not ashamed to feel like he is beholden or needs to express thanks. The ability to ask for and accept help is a deeply hum human gesture. The recognition of the truth that no person can manage alone. Oh boy, that's something I struggle with right there. It is very, very difficult for me to ask for help. That's something that I like, 
I don't know if you're in that same boat as me, but it's very difficult for me to ask for help. I'm the person who's just like, well, just give it to me. I'll do it myself. You ever see somebody like fiddling with something and they're like trying to do it and you just want to snatch it out of their hand and do it yourself? Like you can't stand it. Like, just give it to me. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way I am. Like, it's, it's hard for me to just, to just give it over to somebody and just take care of it, you know? But it, he says here, and I, I really I appreciate him saying this. This is a recognition of the truth that no person can manage alone. The giver may appear to be self-sufficient, but we are all parts of an interconnected web. To receive is to acknowledge his, this eternal truth about us. To receive with entitlement or ingratuity is ugly. To lose initiative or effort in the expectation of getting something is a betrayal of the human spirit. But to watch someone receive with heartfelt thanks is a gorgeous thing to see. And I, I started thinking about that when it comes to the Word of God. When I thought, thought about Christmas, when I thought about receiving, when I thought about what it means to truly receive the Son of God, when it truly means to accept the truth about the fact that you and I are incapable. I, you know, when I started thinking about what we talked about last week and, and we, had the, we had the kids up here and, and we had them reciting what the angels said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, to whom his favor rests, right? And it's hard to imagine that, that, that there is, is favor, that he has favor in, in, in people because I look at myself and I know the filthiness and ugliness and nastiness is within me. And, and I look at that and I say, but there's, there's favor there? God, God has favor? When I started to do a little bit more research, I started to think about what, what does that mean? And I started to look up other versions and what, what does that really mean to have favor? And I think the, the best interpretation that I can come up with based on what I've read is, is this opportunity. Opportunity. God has given us opportunity. He has opened the door through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to, to see that this Christmas. I want you to see that in yourself this Christmas because sometimes I forget the fact that I need help. Sometimes I forget that, that even during Christmas time, there's an emptiness. There may be a hole there, uh, a broken relationship. There may be uh, an emptiness there from a lost loved one. Or, or maybe there's a situation going on in your life where you expected things to be a lot different than what they are right now, and they just haven't turned out that way. There, there, there may be there's a loss that you feel there, and, and, and you need help. You need a rescuer. You need a savior. You need him to fill in the gaps where, where there is an emptiness there. And that is exactly where God comes in. And that's exactly where Jesus comes in. You see, Jesus is, uh, we, we read in Luke chapter 2 about Jesus being born. We, we read we read about how, how the shepherds came and they worshiped him and, and they were excited and, and Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And time has gone on and, and Jesus has now come to the age where he's supposed to start his earthly ministry. And I thought it was important for us to look in Luke chapter four and look at what, what Jesus says that his purpose is. If we're going to receive Jesus, if Jesus, his purpose is for us to receive him, and let's look at, at Luke chapter 4 and see exactly what it is that we're supposed to receive. 
In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He had been tempted in the wilderness by Satan, of course, and here he's coming back. He is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. I want you to hear these words. And I want you to think about your life and what it is that you're in need of. And, and listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to what it is that he would have you receive this Christmas. Listen to his purpose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Once again, there's that word favor, has come. It's also, in some of your versions, it may say the year of the Lord's favor, which has a meaning that we'll talk about in a second. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he sat down and said to them, The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus is conveying a message here to all of us. And this is the Christmas message, if you will. The message that we are to receive if we are to receive Jesus. That he has the power of the Spirit of the Lord. And it's upon him. That's the first thing that he says. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, that he has the very power of God that exists within him. If you deny the fact that he is God, then you are, you are not accepting Jesus. You are not receiving Jesus. You have to first and foremost re reflect on the fact that he is God. If you do not accept that, then you certainly can't receive anything that he has to offer. You have to first and foremost acknowledge that he is God. There are so many people in Jesus' time when he was born that they didn't accept the fact that he was God. When he was born, he was born in, 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 a, in a manger, and there was a lot of people that, that had no knowledge of the fact that he was around. And as he began to grow, and he had this understanding, the mind of God began to grow inside of him. There are some people that, didn't, that will even tell you today that it wasn't until later on that Jesus was kind of forced into acknowledging that he was the Messiah. No, that's not true. The truth is, is from the day that he was born, he was the child of God. He was the son of God, that he was living, breathing God in flesh. From the very beginning, he didn't decide later on. There wasn't something that happened later on. He was God from the very beginning. And here, he says he's God and anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, this good news, man, good news. What, what is the good news? I, I, I could not, in my own heart, I could not go through Christmas without telling you what the good news is. The good news is this, that you are filthy, that you are wretched, that you are nasty, that your worst moments in your life, the things that you do behind closed doors, are worse than you think that they are. They have eternal consequences that are way worse than their earthly consequences. They are separation from God for all of eternity which means an everlasting separation from God in a place called hell. 
that's reality. I didn't come up with that on my own. That's in God's word. That you deserve hell, even with your best attempts at being perfect. That even your best chances, even even the best choices that you make are so far from truth, they're so far from good that you deserve hell with every good choice that you make. That's reality. That's reality. But the good news is this, just as we sang a minute ago, there's an overwhelming love of God that exists for you, that there's a favor that exists for you, there's an opportunity that exists for you, and it came in the person of Jesus Christ. It came in a, in a stable. It came in the person of a little baby in human flesh when God came to this earth for the purposes of rescuing you. From the time he was born, he was condemned to death. From the time he was born, he was going to die, and he was going to die for, for you. You wonder why he was given frankincense and myrrh. Frankincense and myrrh are burial spices. He was given burial spices because from the very time he was born, he was going to die for you. You know why? Because of the filthiness and the nastiness and the ugliness of your sin that separates you from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that exists through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You need to know the good news today. And the good news is this, is that, yes, you don't deserve God's favor. Yes, you don't deserve it. But at the same time, the the amazing thing about God is, though we don't deserve it, yes, he still gives it freely. And, and, and you say, well, I can't wrap my mind around that. Why would somebody give me something I don't deserve? That's exactly why. Because it is beyond your understanding. It is beyond your comprehension. Just like it's beyond your comprehension how deadly and how destructive your sin is. You see, God sees things from an eternal perspective, whereas we can only see things from an earthly perspective. He sees the bigger picture that you and I can't even see. So he had to rescue us for eternity the way that we couldn't even see eternity. So what do we have to do? We have to put our hope in him that exists for eternity and say, God, I can't see it, but I trust in you for it. And he sends his son. And his son comes in a manger. And he... uh, as, he, as he's raised up, you know, he, he it's talks of him speaking in the synagogues. I told you that he was given burial spices at his birth. And, you know, those synagogues, they all pointed toward Jerusalem. As he looked out the back door, you know where he was facing? He was facing towards the cross. He was facing toward the hill where he would be crucified every single time he spoke. Every single time he spoke, the back door would be open and he would see where he would eventually go to die. He would be facing the direction of his ultimate demise. And every single time, it was for you and for I. Every single time he spoke the truth, he knew it was for the purposes of him to die so that we could receive the truth. So there's good news. The good news is is not just good news. It's amazing news. The word good doesn't even register in our minds. 
when we talk about God being good, even Jesus said, there is none good except my Father who is in heaven. Like, we can't even recognize what is good. Our measuring stick for good is all messed up. Like, to say God is good, like, that just doesn't even make sense, does it? Like, that's, that's like saying the ocean's big. Like, it's, it's way bigger than big. Space is big. No, it's way bigger than big. To say that God is good, man, he's so much more than good, but good's just the only word we've got to wrap around it. To say this is good news, good news just scratches the surface. It's amazing news. It's life-changing, eternity-changing news. It says he brought this news to the poor. Now, you may say, well, well, this speaks of those who don't have much money. Speaks to those who don't have a whole lot. Well, if you think about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about those who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Weak in spirit. If you think about us and where our spirit is on our own, apart from God, it is truly weak and it is truly poor. It is incapable of doing just about anything. Am I right? Our spirit apart from God just lays there. It's destitute. It's empty. It's homeless. It's poor. And God brought his son to proclaim the good news to the poor. So if you feel like this Christmas time that you are empty, that you don't know where you should go, that you feel like your spirit is just laying there on the floor, let me tell you that there is good news. That Jesus came for the purposes of bringing you good news if you were to receive him. He came into his own, but his own did not receive him. What that means is that the people that he knew the best, they're the ones that ignored the fact that he was there for the purposes of being their savior. You know what's so interesting to me? Is that there are so many people that will sit in a church service week after week after week after week and they will miss Jesus every week. Like they will hear that and they will listen to it and they'll think, man, that is good, that is good, that is good. And they'll say in their mind, that is for someone else, that is for someone else, that is for someone else. I am not good enough. I'm not capable. There's no way that's for me. There's no way that God would do that for me. And you may not say that to yourself. You may not even say that consciously, but in the back of your mind, that's what you're saying. Because you have not truly received him. You've been close to him, but you've not truly received him. He came to this earth with the purpose, anointed with the Spirit of God, to bring good news to the poor, to the destitute, to the empty. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Doesn't say might be, doesn't say could be, will be released. And that the blind will see. This is pretty easy, actually. It's simple, but it ain't easy, actually. Captive. Captive, that word. If you think about the devastating effects of sin, that word captive really, really rings true when you think about sin. When you think about what sin does in your life, it grabs a hold of you. 
and you think that you, you know, you're not really controlled by it. It's not really doing anything to you. It's not really affecting you. Or sometimes we like to say this, it's just affecting me. It's not affecting anybody around me. And I can get out of it anytime that I want to. I can walk away from it. I can turn my back on it and I can do whatever I want to. It doesn't really have control over me. And that's, that's the lie of sin. It's the lie that we tell ourselves about sin. And see, God, who sees things from an eternal perspective, knows the effects of sin and knows what it's doing and knows the fact that it's holding us captive. And sometimes we get a little glimpse of this when we try to get away from sin and we turn and we, we, we try to turn our backs on it, but what happens? It just draws us right back in. And we think we're free from sin, but really we're just captive to it. We act like we're free from sin, but we're really just bound by it. We act like we can just turn our backs and walk away anytime we want to, but we're lying to ourselves. that Satan is the father of lies. And he likes to tell you that you can walk away from it at any time that you want to. It's a lie. It's a lie. Jesus came to proclaim the truth. And the truth is this, is you can't set yourself free. That Jesus has to set yourself free, has to set you free. That you are captive and you are captive by your sin. And Jesus came for the purpose of to proclaim that the captives will be released. That he has come for the purpose of setting everyone free. And on top of that, on top of that, that the blind will see. Man, there's so much here. Yes, we we know that Jesus healed the blind and let them see. And we know that that many times that people thought that the reason they were blind was because there was something that their mother or father did, maybe in their uh, their grandparents did, that caused them to be blind because there was some sin that exists in in their, their heritage. Somebody way back when did something that caused this child to be blind. And yes, that's true. And Jesus came to show, no, that's not the case. He came so that, that God could be glorified through that blindness. Remember the, 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 the mud that was rubbed on his eyes? He came for the purpose that today, that God would be glorified by the fact that this man would be healed. And for us, what does this mean for us? It means that Jesus came so that we could see, that we could see clearly. Just like that being held captive by sin, you know, we deceive ourselves, we lie to ourselves. Satan just feeds those lies and tries to show us that, that man, he tries to tempt us with things that aren't true. And here, Jesus comes for the purposes of uncovering. He just wants us to see, to let us see things for how they really are, to, get, to help us get that little glimpse of, of eternity that God can see so perfectly that he, 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 he gives us this opening, this uncovering with our eyes so we can see the devastating effects of those sin, that sin. And see, what happens is we get in a place like this and the word of God, the spirit of God starts speaking to us and then God starts opening that and taking off the blinders. And what do we do? We start lying to ourselves once again. Oh, that's not real. That's not really the Holy Spirit of God. That's just some kind of something that I got whipped into a frenzy because of the songs, because of the lights, because of this, because of that. It's not really the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. And we tell ourselves a lie. And that's, and Jesus says, you know what? He came into his own, but his own did not receive him. He came right here in front of you and you walked away and he didn't accept what he was saying as truth. that the oppressed will be set free. I'm gonna 
share verse 19 with you, and then we're going to wrap up. And it says, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, I want you to understand what this means. The year of the Lord's favor, favor was called the year of Jubilee. In the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, what happened was is that people were allowed to go back and take over whatever land they had sold. You're like, that's weird. I don't understand that. Well, it wasn't exactly like things are today where you sell land, you take that money, and you pay off a debt, and then that person continues to own that land. The way that it worked in Israel is if you sold land and somebody took over that land and then, and then you paid off that debt, in the year of Jubilee, what would happen is you would be able to go back to that land and take over the ownership again. And it was called the year of Jubilee, when people would be able to be restored. You see, what was happening here, you think of it in your mind, and some people have even the misconception that this was like charity or a handout to people, that they could do whatever they want to, make whatever mistakes they wanted to, and then they could go, and then the year of Jubilee would come around, and they could just go back and take over the land, and it didn't matter what debt they'd accumulated over in the past and what, what they had paid for in the past, so they could just go back and take things over again. That's not what was going on here. Jesus is trying to draw the link between the Old Testament and what he is saying right now to say that you know what was going on? It was an opportunity was happening in the year of Jubilee. See, what was happening there is that the people that were poor, that were destitute, they got a second chance. They got a second chance. Then maybe they had messed up. Maybe they made some bad choices. Maybe they had made some poor decisions in their life. But in the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, they got a second chance in their life. They got a chance to start over again. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, he came for one purpose. He came for the purpose of giving you a chance to start over again. That this Christmas could be your year of Jubilee. That this year could be the year where Jesus says, you know what? You need to understand why I really came. You may have a hole in your heart. You may have an emptiness in your life. And you may say, at Christmas time, that's really, really obvious to me because I'm hurting really bad. There's so many things that have happened in my life. And man, I sure do, I, I sure do hate Christmas time because, man, even though there's some good things that happen, there's a lot of devastation that comes along with Christmas time, too. I want you to realize today that that could be very well be the uncovering that God is doing, that he could be the, the, the opening your eyes and taking the blinders off and letting you see, letting you see that this could be the year of jubilee for you. This could be a renewal, a starting over for you, that his whole purpose was to allow you to see, to allow you to see not only, not only that you could be set free, but that he is the answer, that he is the answer. See, one of the greatest gifts I ever got. I'm gonna to talk to you about one of the greatest gifts I ever got. 2007, my daughter passed away from cancer, right? 2006, we got to have Christmas together. Whole family, both my daughters together. My daughter didn't have any hair because uh, she had had chemo and radiation and um, we were struggling. We were struggling, but we, we were at the point where her cancer was in remission and things were going good. Things were really going good for us at that point in time. And, and we were celebrating Christmas and we were ecstatic. And uh, 
one of the greatest gifts I ever got in my life was being able to spend that Christmas with both my daughters. And today, there, there's, there's still an emptiness there when Christmas rolls around. Whatever reason, you know, you, 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 you want your, your family and friends, you want everybody there. And, and sometimes there's an emptiness there. There's a hole there. There's, there's something that, that's just missing, and you wish it wasn't. You know what I've realized? It's just God allowing me to see. He's allowing me to see the reason that He came. He's allowing me to see why Christmas exists, the reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because He's the one that fills in the emptiness. He's the one that fills in the holes. He's the one that fills in the gaps. You may have emptiness in your life. You may have brokenness in your life because of something that has happened to you in the past. There may be somebody that you love that is not here this Christmas. There may be a relationship that is broken and they're not in your life anymore. There may be a place in your life where you expected to be right now and you just aren't there. There could be a million different reasons why God has has just used something in your life to open your eyes to see. I know it's cliche, but Jesus really is the reason for the season. He came for the purposes of setting you free and letting you see. Will you allow him to let you see today? Will you allow him to set you you free today? That's the reason that he came. Will you respond to him today? Will you just fall into his arms today? Will you allow him to just restore you? Will you allow him to do the work that you can't do yourself? It's his power. It's his spirit. Just give it to him. You can't do it on your own. You may be captive in some kind of sin that you just can't shake. Will you give it to him today? Will you turn it over to him today? Say, God, set me free you allow him to just work in and through you and when you worship him for what he is doing right now and the fact that he came for the very purposes of rescuing you from yourself will you worship him today in spirit and in truth will you fall down on your face and we acknowledge who he is today that he is the lord god almighty father i pray that you would work right now in people's lives and in their hearts god as they respond to you god i pray that you would speak and i pray that they would respond and you would receive glory this christmas humbly receive you came so that we might receive we don't deserve it we don't deserve it Father but you give freely